Radiofrequency Ablation and Its Role in Treating Chronic Pain by Dr. Keth Pride and Dr. Michelle Poliak-Tunis from the University of Wisconsin School of Medicine and Public Health. When used as a treatment for chronic pain, the primary goal behind neural ablation is to interrupt and inactivate nociceptive pathways by way of creating a thermal lesion. Ablation of neural structures is not a new technology, but the application of this process continues to evolve as we develop faster, more effective, and more accurate modes of delivery. Although neural ablation can be achieved using several modalities, including cryoablation and chemical neurolysis, radiofrequency RF is likely used most commonly by chronic pain providers. The advantages of using radiofrequency ablation include its ability to be precise and reproducible while producing long-term but not permanent effects. It also provides the option to stimulate neural tissue prior to ablating, thereby confirming desired target proximity while avoiding possible undesirable targets. Radiofrequency waves comprise the lowest part of the continuous electromagnetic spectrum, bound by the frequencies 3 Hz to 300 GHz. In the procedural setting, the radiofrequency ablation needle tip acts as a cathode of an electrical circuit, which is closed by a dispersing pad placed elsewhere on the body. The electrode itself, however, does not heat up and is not hot to touch, much like a microwave does not heat up. The electrode generates an alternating electromagnetic field that sets nearby molecules, mostly water, into motion. Energy lost between these molecules results in a temperature increase, which becomes the source of heat that is then transmitted farther by tissue connectivity. While the small cross-sectional area of the needle tip creates a very high surrounding energy flux, the large cross-sectional area of the grounding pad disperses the current into a much smaller flux of energy. As a result, the thermal ablation is limited to the tissue closest to the needle tip. Conventional radiofrequency, CRF, and pulsed radiofrequency, PRF, are two available forms of radiofrequency technology commonly used in clinical practice. While conventional radiofrequency applies a continuous current of electricity that heats tissues to neurodestructive temperatures of 60 to 80 degrees Celsius, pulsed radiofrequency employs short bursts of current resulting in lower maximum temperatures of 40 to 42 degrees Celsius. Tissue death at various temperatures are shown in Table 1. The latent periods between bursts allow heat to dissipate so that neurodestructive temperatures are not reached. Although they use similar technology, research has shown that these two forms of ablation use two different mechanisms of action. Conventional radiofrequency The goal of conventional radiofrequency is to create a thermal lesion large enough to encompass the target structures while also avoiding critical ones without creating premature desiccation. This can only be accomplished by optimizing tissue connectivity, duration of ablation, and cathode size.
Although tissue connectivity allows for the propagation of radio waves and the subsequent enlargement of the thermal lesion, it can also be a limiting factor. If the power is increased too quickly, tissues closest to the electrode become desiccated or charred as cells and their contents vaporize. Charred tissue can no longer transmit electrical or thermal energy, thereby acting as an insulator, limiting any additional extension of desired tissue destruction. Thus, thermal lesion size can be optimized by gradually heating tissues to 60 to 80 degrees Celsius for 75 to 185 seconds generated through an electromagnetic field with a frequency of 250 kilohertz. Cathode size, or the length of the needle's active tip, also plays an important role in determining the overall lesion size and shape. Whereas smaller gauge needles will create wider lesions, longer active tips will result in longer and more ovoid-shaped lesions. Commonly used instruments include 17 to 22 gauge radio frequency needles with active tips ranging between 4 to 10 millimeters in size. Targeting neural structures can be challenging, even with the use of fluoroscopy. For this reason, a larger thermal lesion is frequently desired. Methods to accomplish this include employing a smaller gauge cathode, utilizing a deployable dual or V-shaped needle tip, which increases the size of the active tip without having to increase needle gauge, using internally cooled electrodes that enhance slow heating of adjacent tissues, resulting in less charring and greater tissue conductivity, and performing multiple ablations. Once radiofrequency needle placement is confirmed by fluoroscopy, sensory and motor stimulation can be performed to assess its proximity to the target nerve. First, optimum sensory stimulation may be achieved at 50 Hz by gradually increasing voltage until pain or sensation is appreciated that is comparable to usual or targeted pain. Thresholds between 0.3 to 0.9 volts are generally correlated with an appropriate distance to sensory fibers, while stimulation appreciated at less than 0.2 volts may represent intraneural needle placement. Subsequent stimulation of motor fibers can be performed at 2 Hz using an approximate range of 1 to 10 volts. Voltage is gradually increased to 1.5 to 2 times the intensity required to elicit previous sensory symptoms. Distal muscle contractions in the face, upper extremity, or lower extremity indicate that the needle tip is near a spinal nerve and requires adjustment. The prolonged high temperatures employed by conventional radiofrequency cause coagulative necrosis to both cellular and acellular structures. Histologically, both axonal degeneration and collagen fiber destruction of endo, peri, and epineurium structures occurs. Based on the prolonged length of functional loss and damage to the nerve, conventional radiofrequency produces a third or fourth degree injury consistent with Wallerian degeneration and is associated with the potential for neuroma formation. Functional but not complete 
re-innervation of the site usually occurs over a period of months to years. This typically corresponds to a return in patient's pain. Pulsed radiofrequency, often presented as a less destructive alternative to conventional radiofrequency, pulsed radiofrequency describes a different application of radiofrequency technology in which a 500 kilohertz current is applied for two pulses per second, with each pulse lasting 20 milliseconds. Although transient endonorial edema can occur, studies have shown a return to normal morphology by seven days post-treatment. This supports the conclusion that destruction of neural elements is not thought to be the mechanism of action of pulsed radiofrequency. Some studies have implied that pulsed radiofrequency alters gene expression, neuronal membrane function, and cytokine regulation. Although the true mechanism remains unclear, it's been postulated that the temporary electromagnetic field created by pulsed radiofrequency results in cellular change that favorably alters the transmission of pain signals. In any case, the effects of pulsed radiofrequency do not fit into the Sunderland scale of 5 degrees of nerve damage, and additional studies are required to better understand its mechanism. The advantages of pulsed radiofrequency when compared to conventional radiofrequency are that it is significantly less painful, causes less destruction of tissues, and doesn't have the inherent risks of possible neuroma formation or deafferentation pain. The disadvantage to pulsed radiofrequency is that it provides a shorter duration of pain relief for patients, requiring the procedure to be repeated more frequently. The ongoing challenge associated with the mainstream use of pulsed radiofrequency is the relative lack of randomized controlled trials supporting its efficacy. For future research, there is a distinct need for high-quality randomized controlled trials that can help identify optimal parameters and proper nerve targets for the application of pulsed radiofrequency in clinical practice. Limitations whether using conventional radiofrequency or pulsed radiofrequency ablation, it is also important to remember that the lesions they create are relatively small compared to their neural targets and that they do not selectively destroy only nociceptive fibers. Thus, accurate placement of radiofrequency needles is paramount and requires a thorough knowledge of the target neural tissues and their associated radiographic landmarks. Complications associated with radiofrequency are usually mild and well-tolerated, but they can include neuroma formation, deafferentation pain, and dysesthesia. Lastly, it should be noted that the pain relief radiofrequency provides is temporary, and thus repeat procedures should be considered and discussed as part of the initial treatment plan. Conclusion Both conventional radiofrequency and pulsed radiofrequency interventions are valuable and effective tools used to treat chronic pain, but they should be considered only when conservative measures have failed, although additional research is essential in determining the growing utility of radiofrequency. It currently has many applications in treating chronic pain. Therefore, 
it is important to educate patients and physicians about radiofrequency as an alternative and effective therapeutic option for treating chronic pain. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode of ASRA News, please consider subscribing, sharing with a friend, or leaving us a review.